You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 88. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for listening today. Today's episode is sponsored by Squarespace.com. If you'd like to try Squarespace out and build your own awesome and easy to update and do-it-yourself website, go over to squarespace.com lively for your free 14-day trial and use the code lively at checkout to get 10% off of your service. At the end of this episode, I'll be speaking with lawyer and jewelry designer Annette Stepanian of AnnetteStepanian.com about her Squarespace website and experience. And before we get going, I have a quick congratulations to share with Shirley, a Lively Show listener who I met several years ago at one of my Life with Intention workshops in Boston. She has become a dear friend of mine over the years, and for a long time I've known she's been planning to propose to her boyfriend, and it has happened. So Shirley, congratulations. And now you guys may be wondering a little bit about where I am recording this from. This is the first introduction I am officially recording in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We have moved as of two days ago. We have furniture, which is a really nice thing. There may be boxes everywhere right now, but I am finally sitting at a desk speaking to you rather than hunched over on a dog crate while sitting on a suitcase, which is how I've been recording Lively Show episodes up until this point for the last two weeks while we've been here without our furniture. It has been so much fun to re-explore and get reintroduced to Michigan as a state since I've been gone for almost a decade now after growing up here, and also Ann Arbor as a city and Detroit as a city. There is so much stuff going on here, guys. I am so thrilled to see the young entrepreneurship and the really cool things that are coming in to this city and the state overall. Michigan's pride is tangible. You can feel it here, how much people are so proud of the state and all of the entrepreneurism that's going on. So I am happy as a clam with our decision and just have a lot of boxes to keep on doing. Now let's talk about today's show. It's not quite a two-parter, but it is a follow-up to last week's episode with Brooke Castillo. If you have not already listened to that episode, I highly recommend you go listen to that episode before this one. The intuition is a huge piece when it comes to living with intention because no matter what your values are, no matter how you're trying to embody them, if you are having this drama between the ego and the intuition and you're following the ego, there's no way you're going to keep doing it consistently according to what's most important to you at an intuitive level. I'm speaking today with Lynn Robinson of lynnrobinson.com. She is an author, speaker, and intuitive psychic. I read her book, Divine Intuition, loved how practical it was, loved that it really explained a lot of the things I have taken years to figure out, and I really recommend it as an amazing book for anyone who wants to go deeper into understanding their intuition. In today's show, we're going to go into the practical brass tacks of how to access your intuition, what are the best questions to ask it in order to get the information you want? And also, what are the things that might be misleading and that we might think are the intuition, but truly aren't? Let's go to the show. Lynn, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's an honor to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be talking to you today. You are someone who is after my own heart or gut, I guess I should say, <laughs> because I'm obsessed with the intuition and it's so exciting to get to share your wisdom in this area. But first, let's start with your background. Tell us how you got to where you are. 
I got here through a very circuitous path. I used to be the operations manager of a software company and just decided that really wasn't what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was just fascinated by intuition. And I knew I really wanted to help people. I mean, you know, who doesn't want to help people? I know that's very vague. I finally decided that I really wanted to do intuitive readings for a living. And I I went to a career counselor who was really helping me with that. And my business started in the weirdest way you can absolutely imagine. My career counselor was really a big law of attraction person. And so she had me visualize what I wanted. And because I mean, really, how do you start an intuitive reading business? And I kept joking with her that there really wasn't an ad in the Boston Globe newspaper, which is where I live, you know, saying, you know, intuitive wanted or psychic wanted. So (laughs) she had me visualize, she had me doing affirmations, and I was really happy envisioning a beautiful office and lots of happy clients. And what happened was several months into this visualization process, a friend of mine unfortunately died. And I went to his funeral. I walked walked into the funeral home and Jess, it was so weird. I can only tell you it felt like this woman who was standing in back of me said, please sit there. And I turned to acknowledge her and there was not a single person behind me. And I was totally freaked out, but I sat next to this woman I didn't know. And the short version of the story was that at the end of the funeral service, she started chatting with me and said, well, what do you do for a living? Well, <clears throat> I was the operations manager of the software company, but what do I blurt out? Oh, I'm an intuitive. <laughs> And I was so like, so nervous that I'd said that and like really embarrassed. It turned out that I ended up giving her a reading and she was a writer for the Boston Globe newspaper. She wrote an article about me and I got 500 clients (laughs) next month. (laughs) I have goosebumps. Oh my goodness. So here, let's go back a little bit further. So were you always obsessed with your intuition from a young age? Yes, I was. And I was always, I think my mother would tell me that early on, I would seem to know things about people that that I shouldn't have known, you know, like, who was that woman with the man next door? That's not his wife, you know, little questions like that. So I was always fascinated by it. And in my teens, I studied it a lot and, you know, took some classes in it. What's odd is that after I developed my intuitive reading business, I'd probably been in it for about seven years. My maternal grandfather, who'd been estranged from the family, got back in touch with my mother and said that he had been a practicing psychic over in England for the last decade or so. He had been a police officer and also a practicing psychic. So uh, very weird, you know, so there must have been some hereditary element, although you would never know it from my immediate family dynamics. So yeah, very strange. Yeah, what does your immediate family think of it? Rather confused about it, kind of wish that I'd been a secretary or something very normal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can relate a little bit. My dad called me at a wedding recently, a free thinker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My father said something like, well, you know, I think that she kind of talks to people and they pay her. Actually, it's a really interesting career choice because as I'm obsessed with the intuition, I usually spend my time helping other people access their intuition for the answers they're seeking. But you actually are saying your intuition has the answers they're seeking. Well, in, I think it's really both. Uh, you know, honestly, so often when I'm doing intuitive in, an intuitive reading, it's really a successful session with someone is that I'm really confirming what they already know. It's not like usually there's a big aha moment, but it's like, wow, you know, that's what I was getting to. And I feel so reassured that you got the same thing and you're seeing it the same way. So honestly, I'm really kind of reaffirming and and also teaching people how to trust it so that they don't have to keep calling me. I just think it's something that's hardwired into all of us. We all have this inner compass that points us in the right direction, or maybe inner GPS would be a more updated version of that. So what is our intuition? Well, 
The dictionary definition is quick and ready insight. I happen to like this version from a, I think she was like a 15-year-old girl who said, intuition is like when you know something, but like, where does it come from? <laughs> and we all get it in different ways. We get it as a feeling. Sometimes, as you mentioned, it's kind of like a heart-centered feeling. Sometimes we get it as a physical sensation, more commonly known as a gut feeling, although we can get other physical sensations. Um, some people get it in dreams, a still quiet inner voice. Some people just have an aha moment, like kind of they describe it as just, I knew the answer. You know, one of my very favorite ways of getting intuitive information, because a lot of people come to me and say, oh, I don't get intuitive information. I'm not very intuitive. And my response is to ask people if they've ever been excited about something. And of course, most everybody says yes. So when you're getting an intuitive information, when you're excited about something, you're curious about it, you're energized by it, that's your intuition saying, move in that direction. When you're drained, you're bored, you're uninterested in something, when you're procrastinating like crazy, there's something about that decision or choice you're trying to make that's kind of warning you away from it, not to go there or try to move away from it. So on a very basic level, if you're excited, you're energized, go for it. If you're drained, bored, enervated, you know, try to move away from it. That's your intuition. But it's really an amazing inner compass that when you start to really live your life intuitively, you can really create some remarkable things. It's really interesting you speak about excitement. I actually had a situation with someone who is a friend of mine. She has a podcast as well. And so she was debating this possible business and she was very excited about it. And we talked about it and, you know, we gave her my thoughts. But I also said, at the end of the day, you need to make sure your intuition wants you to go in this direction, not just because we think it's a good idea. So she went and she did the writing exercise I share with everyone that will listen and try to get them to start listening <laughs> to their intuition. And what was interesting is as much as she was excited, she found her intuition told her not to go in that direction. And what's even more interesting is now having kind of followed what's happened since then, she's not even currently doing what anything close to what that business idea was back when. So it was a really hmm. crazy example of how intuition helped her steer in the right direction. But how about that excitement that she felt earlier and how it maybe for that case didn't line up with her intuition? Do you have any thoughts for people that might be feeling that? Yeah, there's a couple of things that happen, I think. One is that when people get an intuition about something and it may require a big change, like, you know, changing where you live, changing a job, changing a relationship, something major like that. I just tell people to start taking small steps towards it. It's not like you need to quit your job and go do this thing necessarily as the as the first step. If I choose the example of, you know, maybe changing your job, you know, you do some research about it. You do some informational interviews. Maybe you take a class on it and you just see if that excitement that you had is retained. And if it's not, then you kind of go back to the drawing board. But sometimes what I find intuition does is it says if you're excited about something, usually it says move in that direction. If you're bored or drained by something, no. And sometimes there's that in the middle where I'm not really sure. And sometimes that's a, a maybe or it's not quite the right time or explore other options as the answer. Without knowing your friend, it's hard to know which one of those things. But I think that writing exercise is just really so important because often you really get to underneath what's going on there. You know, the second part of it, though, is that often, and I don't know that this was, it doesn't sound like this was your friend's case, but often we start talking ourselves out of what we're excited about. The thing that we do most often is we'll start to say, oh, well, what if it doesn't work out? Or what if I'm not good enough? Or what if I don't have the education? Or I'm too young or too old? And we start kind of like 
draining the batteries on that intuitive piece of information. And so I think we need to watch our own self-talk um, because we all get scared before we do something new. I, you know, I'm sure before you started your podcast, you were very nervous about it. I sure know that that was true when I started my intuitive reading business. In fact, to be honest, I used to cry when my, before my clients came in. Like, what are they going to find out? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> with the business or with the intuitive? <laughs> with the intuitive, yeah, with the intuitive readings. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank God there was a bathroom nearby. Everybody, I greeted everybody with no makeup on because I'd cried it off. <laughs> Even though your intuition was there telling you you should do it. Yeah, but I still felt scared about it. And it was that inner voice, not the intuitive inner voice, but more, you know, the lack of confidence voice of, you know, oh, what if I screw up? What if they don't like me? What if I don't get any information? So I think it's always important to kind of keep a check on what you're telling yourself also. Yeah, I think for her case, looking back on it, it was more of an ego excitement. So it rationally made sense. It would make money, which would bring other things that she'd like. And then there was kind of also the self-importance of what might come with that too. And if she would genuinely be serving, I've had times in my own life where I've wanted to do something from more of an ego's excitement. This will be so cool. I'll be able to help people and I'll be important, blah, 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 whatever is wrapped around it. And then it doesn't work out as well as I want. I think of these traveling workshops I used to do. It never really fully got to the profitability point that it needed to. And I I was kind of wondering, you know, is this just need more time, just need to keep going or should I stop? And that's actually one of the first times I ever just asked my intuition, what should I do next? And I heard a completely different answer than what I was expecting. Wow. And that was why those workshops weren't at that time in my life going where they needed to. And I would not be doing the work I'm doing now whatsoever had I just had smashing success with those traveling workshops. So it was interesting that even for myself, I guess I had this kind of egoic excitement, but it wasn't tempered by the wisdom of my intuition. But, you know, sometimes what I felt in my life is that I got guided to do something, which and it wasn't necessarily that it was supposed to be or meant maybe meant to be a smashing success or I was going to do it for the rest of my life. But when I look back on some of those things that maybe somebody else might look at them and say they were failures, to me, they were really turning points where I actually did learn a lot. That learning allowed me to morph it into something new. Because I can think of a number of occasions where I really felt guided to do something, but then it really did, like, I felt like I kind of reached the end of the line with it. And so those are hard ones to kind of figure out. But I like what you said that you kind of asked your intuition, what's my next step? Because I'm a big believer in asking intuition questions. We often think that intuition just comes unbidden as a, you know, great idea or something like that. And yes, it does. But you can also prime the pump. You're asking your intuition, what's my right next step? Or what should I do now? Or what do I need to know? And the answer doesn't always come in a big booming voice right away. I mean, writing it down, having the question at the top of the page, kind of sitting with it in meditation. Sometimes the answers come when you least expect them. You know, when you're walking the dog or you're blow drying your hair or doing the dishes, you know, when you're kind of like not thinking about it too much, it's like, oh, oh, there's the answer. (laughs) Yes. I think for me, the lesson was learning to ask the questions. And I love that you shared priming the pump. If I had to describe it to people as I started to figure out what it was, I said the ego is in our head. It's like a fire hydrant spewing at us constantly all the thoughts that we want, think and feel or what its agenda is for us. And then the intuition is like a water well and it's cool and it's for some reason it's blue in my mind and 
the water is there. It's the same thing. Thought is water. But you have to put the bucket in to the well in order to access it. Unless you're doing something for a really long time that is against your intuition. And then that water level will slowly rise and start to overflow and get so uncomfortable. But it's a very subtle underlying sense of unease compared to the fire hydrant spraying at us constantly. So I love you said prime the pump because it goes perfectly with what I always think about, which is a water well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know what that makes me think too is that often people have a really difficult time listening or hearing their intuition because they're overwhelmed. You know, they've got too many things, they're too busy, they're, they just don't have a lot, enough hours in the day. And yet they often get that intuitive message that, oh my gosh, it's time for a change, but they don't really make time for it. So it doesn't need huge hours in the day or, you know, week-long retreat or something like that. It often needs just taking a few minutes to push away from your desk or just closing your eyes or putting your hand over your heart going, what do I need right now? Or what can I let go of that's draining me so I have a little more space and freedom to really be maneuvering into the next steps that I take in my life? The other thing that what you said made me think was that sometimes intuition isn't so much like what you're excited about. It's more what makes you feel at peace or what makes you feel open. Because we're all so different. And some people can't access excitement or energy, but they can access, I feel curious about that, or I'm interested in it. So it's almost like a different end of the spectrum, but it's still intuition speaking to you to say, explore this, go in that direction. I love that. Yes. I feel like the intuition is often telling us to do things that are uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen and it's peaceful about it, but then the ego gets involved and starts to rationalize things and get scared about trying to control the situation and tries to hold us back from that. Do you feel like the intuition generally leads us into a place of uncertainty? Yes, <laughs> most definitely. In fact, that's, I would say, the big reason that most people don't trust it or don't want to listen to it, because it does move you out of your comfort zone. It almost always does. It's always trying something, say, trying something new or letting go of something familiar. I um, mean, I think that's why, you know, I was a basket case when I first started my intuitive reading sessions, because I was totally out of my comfort zone. First time I started doing speaking, oh my gosh, I had muscle spasms in my back for weeks before I, I started it because I was just nervous. You know, what if I don't make it? What if I fail? What if I'm not good enough? And it was all of that stuff. And yet underlying that is what you're saying is like there was still that sense of peace about this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so it's a kind of a funny contradiction. But yeah, it always encourages you outside of your comfort zone. And yet when I have taken those steps based on, you know, my intuition and it's been scary, I can see that that preceded almost every big change in my life. And I don't think that we ever really get rid of the fear. And that's been something that's been surprising to me and in doing intuitive readings for people. Like I had so many people come in for sessions with me or do it on the phone. And, you know, there are people maybe that I admire or that had a lot of success in their field. And I'm always surprised that people express that, oh, what if it doesn't work? Or maybe I'm not good enough. Or do you think this will really work kind of thing? And I just think it's a common denominator that we all share, you know, whether we talk about it with others or not. How do we access the intuition exactly? It comes in different ways for each of us. And I would tell people to think back at a relatively recent decision that they made and to see how they got that information. Did it come as a knowing? Did it come in a dream? 
did you just have a gut feeling about it or some other physical sensation? Sometimes we feel like somebody called them God bumps. You know, usually they're referred to as goosebumps when you're kind of going in the right direction or something's the truth for you. So, I mean, we get an intuition in a lot of different ways. But I would say the main thing is to maybe get out your journal and put a question at the top of the page. What's my right next step? Or what do I need to know about the situation? When I ask a question like that, it's almost like I'm putting it in, in a search engine. You know, I'm Googling the question and I get flooded with information. It doesn't always come in this sequential way or really logical way, but it, I'll kind of like get a flood of like, oh, there's a piece of information. Oh, and a little voice and a, kind of a feeling about something. And so all of that kind of gets put in a mishmash that I start writing down. I try to do it like in brainstorming fashion. It, again, it won't come in necessarily a linear fashion. But I like asking those intuition questions that don't evoke a yes or no answer. I mean, maybe those have their place. But if you really want to get a lot of information from your intuition, questions like, what should I know about this? Or what's my right next step? Or please give me more information about I tell people all the time, when you're using your intuition in this fashion, kind of writing it as a journal exercise, you feel like you're making it up. And I think because it comes through the vehicle of your imagination. So it will feel like you're making it up. And I think that's when I teach a class on intuition, that's the biggest feedback that I get. I feel like I'm making it up. And that's probably what's helpful about doing partner exercises that I usually do when I teach an intuition class, because then you're checking your intuition out with somebody else, like you're getting an answer for them. And I'll never forget, I've had a couple of funny things that happen in, in my intuition courses. There's always one person, at least one person in the class that's sort of like throwing up their hands going, I don't get any, and I'm not an intuitive person. And usually, they're, oddly, they're the best ones at this. So one example was I had an exercise where I had a partner exercise and people were kind of tuning into their partner and there was a list of questions like what does this person's home look like or what do they do for a living or you know questions like that and so they would just write it down in rapid fire fashion and so there was a woman who had a partner and she said um, I'm trying to get what he does for a living and I just get this weird answer and so I said okay well what are you getting and she said well I get this weird image of a head being cut open and love being poured in and so I'm the teacher but I mean I'm like in my head I'm kind of like oh it's a really <laughs> weird, weird image but I looked at her partner I said well what do you do for a living and she said I'm a neurosurgeon who practices intuitive healing what <laughs> I know I mean could you have gotten a more perfect image for that oh my goodness <laughs> so you actually help people do it for other people like you do yourself yeah, I mean, that's when I do a day long workshop. That's usually what I find really helps people get in touch with their intuition doing it for somebody else because it, it is a very intangible piece of information that you get when you get it for yourself. Like, oh, you ought to do this, or yes, Jess, you ought to try doing podcasts. You know, it's like kind of feels a little airy fairy. But when you're doing it for somebody else and you're getting very concrete information about maybe a relationship they're in or a job that they want to take or something about their kids or something like that it's much more tangible so it's more evidential and it makes you feel more confident in it that's amazing and i can second this whole writing exercise thing for myself i do very similar to what you shared i'll write down the question and then i wait for the answer you have to listen for it as if you're asking someone else and then if that answer surprises you all the better it's probably really coming from deep down it's not something your ego's regurgitated and rumbled through its head a million times before I also love it too, because at least for myself, if I do it just mentally while I'm sitting down or think a question and try to get an answer, I can get maybe a few words 
on a good day. <laughs> but really, if I want real processing of information, the writing, because I hear a few words and then I write those down and then I follow up with another question and there's this back and forth conversation happening, I can get full sentences out of my intuition in a way that I just find very difficult to if I'm just reflecting while I'm sitting without the writing in front of me. Do you feel that way or... I do. I think that's a really excellent point. And, and sometimes what I do, too, is if I'm having a really hard time concentrating, I'll put some really relaxing music on my headphones. So kind of just background music, not something with words to it, but, you know, some maybe classical music or new age music or something that's really calming. That kind of helps make me feel like I'm a little more open and more of a conduit for that intuitive information. Often when I've got the right answer to, I just feel emotional. I mean, I'll get tears in my eyes or just feel like, you know, I feel love around me. Me, and it doesn't seem like it comes from a head level. It comes from my heart. And sometimes I'll just, I'll put my hand over my heart and just really try to be resonant there rather than my head, because I think that provides more intuitive answers. I've been hearing a lot about how the GI tract in our gut and the wisdom it has is kind of getting studied a lot recently. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, I, I've read some research about it that scientists are finding that it's almost like we have a second brain in our gut, that it's a very, obviously it functions very differently, but it's probably the reason that a lot of people do feel like they get a gut feeling about something. And, you know, again, we all experience it a little differently, but think back to a time when you made what turned out to be a bad decision. And most likely, you probably had that feeling in your gut, like a sinking feeling or your stomach hurt or a heaviness that you just kind of knew you weren't going in the right direction. So it is like a, an emotional brain. That's kind of a weird way to put it, but that resides in your gut. And I think Listen, we developed intuition and have it hardwired into us for a reason, too. On a very primitive level, it keeps us out of danger. And I think that was what the origins of intuition were for. You know, we would go towards water and food and away from, you know, animals that might eat us up or something like that. But I think it's a very primal brain that resides in our gut. And it's very subtle sometimes. You know, you really have to be tuned in to how your intuition speaks to you. It's interesting. This is purely anecdotal, and I haven't seen any research about this particularly, but it seems to me that men get the physical sensations more than women. Really? Yeah. The women will tend to get it more in their emotions, feelings, kind of inner voice. Men will talk about intuition a little differently. They'll say, my instincts say, or my instinct is, or, you know, my gut says, you know, it's more of a instinctual and a physical response that they have. And women, it's more emotional. And, and I think that's why women often have a hard time in the corporate world. I mean, how can you go into a board meeting and go, oh, well, you know, my feeling is, <laughs> you know, you have to kind of learn a different language for it almost. How can you tell if you're being warned by your intuition not to do something? Or how can you tell when it's just the fear, like when you were crying, waiting to go do your first readings? Part of the answer to that is a little bit boring because the answer is practice. I think that all of us, as I've, we've both said several times, get scared before we do something new. So you kind of have to differentiate when is it that perfectly normal fear that you've got because you're out of your comfort zone. And when do you continually get that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach and that it's really the wrong thing to do? Like you just kind of usually it's very enervating. It just kind of drains you. 
Partly it's practice knowing yourself, and partly the way that you get out of it is to start taking some small next steps towards what you think the intuitive answer is. So, for example, if you're in a job and you just kind of feel like, oh gosh, I'm not going to you know, get along with this new person that's my new boss, I just like this thinking feeling that I really need to get out of here, but you're, you know, your logical brain's going, what do you mean? You've got a job, you've got a mortgage to pay, or kids to get through school, you know, are you crazy? What I would say is if that kind of fear, sinking, feeling, either way, you're kind of like, oh, either I get a new job or I'm going to get a boss I don't get along with. What can you do to take some small next steps? You know, so you might take a class, you might get your resume rewritten, you might go talk to a career counselor, you know, just kind of taking action based on that sinking feeling that you're getting so that you've got some options available to you. Fear and intuition really are strange bedfellows in a way, (laughs) and it's hard to differentiate them. Okay, actually, I'm going to share a story with you that just happened recently. We decided to move from Austin, Texas to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Three weeks after we decided to move, this house comes on the market. It's a very tiny house and it was underpriced, but it had a huge lot. And I also knew because of the low price that there was going to be a lot of attention and offers on it. Because it had all the three things we wanted, walkability, budget, and the ability to customize and had character already. I decided to fly to Ann Arbor, stay in an Airbnb for a week. All the while, every time I would ask myself, are we going to get this house? I heard no, 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 no. And I'm like, well, I'm crazy because I hear so clearly (laughs) we're not going to get this house. But at the same time, there was no logical reason that I shouldn't go try because nothing else was on the market that had any comparable character, price, and walkability that we were looking for. So I go there. And I spent the whole day waiting to find out that we weren't getting it, but we did. I was shocked that I actually got the house, Lynn, after a million times I heard no. I'll tell you quickly what happened after when I asked my intuition, like, well, why did that happen? But I do want to hear your thoughts. Why did this happen? (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny that you're saying that because I've often found the same thing that when I ask my intuition question and I get the kind of a verbal answer like that, it's often wrong. And that's why I usually don't ask my intuition yes or no answers or things that evoke a yes or no answer. I'll ask things like, I want more information about this house. Tell me more about the house. You know, what should I know about the house? What could I do to make the best offer? Things like that. But I find that when I get those yes or no answers, they're often wrong. I don't know why. Well, even though I do this for a living, the same thing happens to me. I really like that answer. I think I'm going to start sharing that too, is to say, don't do the yes or no. So here's what I learned when I wrote later. It's like, why the heck did we get the house after I heard 75 million times no? And it said, because you didn't want it then, or you weren't ready. It was saying that I had this fantasy house in my head. There's reality. And then there's like what you've had in your head. And to try to merge those together, you have to step back into reality instead of into this fantasy. So you just say, basically, stay away for the yes and no's. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So is there any example you have of a time that a client or yourself have used intuition to change their life in some way? or A similar thing that happened to you happened to me. I got an offer for a job. I was living in Boston, and the job was in upstate New York. And my intuition kept saying, you know, go for this, take it. This is your right next step. And I did. I got the job, and I moved up to upstate New York. And to make a very long, complicated story short, the job ended up falling through. It was a startup company that basically never started up. 
And so I just went through such an awful time battling my intuition. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to be trusting my intuition, but why did it lead me astray? And this is many years ago now. And when I look at that time in my life, I am actually glad that I took that job. I learned so much about myself, about standing up for myself. I learned a lot about dealing with adversity and crisis. I learned a lot about making new friends in a new area. I learned about moving out of my comfort zone. I wish that my intuition had said, Lynn, the job is going to fall through, but you know, you're going to be really glad you, but you know what? I wouldn't have taken the job then. So it's almost like a higher self was looking out after me going, you really need to do this. You really need to learn this and you need to be there, but it's not for the reason that you think. Yes. You know, I always say, so, okay. At this point also, by the time this show airs, this will also be public knowledge. I heard write a book two years ago, back when I was asking what I should do next. So I know the next step for me is to be writing this book, but I don't know what's coming after or why I need to write this book. And I've realized this really important lesson for myself is to say, if there's going to be, let's say, I don't know, a TV show or, you know, it's going to be huge. If I knew that that was going to happen because I was writing the book now, I think I would probably take it so for granted that I would not execute a really amazing book that would potentially have that Mm -hmm. outcome. Or if I knew that the book wouldn't change my life that much differently and it's not going to make that big a difference, I also wouldn't be very motivated to do what I need to do now. So I always feel like that intuition is telling us what we need to know to have peace in this moment. And if we can fully focus on whatever that thing is, the best possible next thing will come because we fully focused on where we are. So for you with that job, yeah, you wouldn't have taken it. And then you wouldn't have gotten all the things that came after that. Yeah, and I think you raise a really good point here, too, is that often intuition only tells you your next step. And because a lot of times, just uh, those of us who are control freaks, and I like to put myself in that category, you know, when I go, well, if I write the book, then what will happen? What will happen after that? Am I going to be guaranteed that life is going to be wonderful ever after? (laughs) (laughs) I have to do this sacrifice? I don't know. I find that the more I'm kind of on a spiritual path in my life, the more I'm really just having to trust that whatever it is that I'm being guided to do right now, there is a higher purpose in it. I may not know what that is, but I'm going to have to trust that that next step leads to the next step. It's interesting. Sometimes when I've been doing an intuitive reading for somebody, I I get things symbolically a lot. And one of the images is of a, a, like a, almost like a higher being, you know, an angel guide, God holding a flashlight. If if God holds flashlights, I don't know, but that's the image. (laughs) We won't go there. But, you know, just a holding a light on the next step of a long path. And it's often just a symbol to me that you're really having to be in trust and faith on this path, that you are being guided forward, but you really may only know that next right step. When you start to have faith that you are being guided, which is really, to me, a lot about what the intuition is about, it's a compass of our soul, you're being guided on a path in life, and you're being shown the next step. And you may not know what all the lessons and the learnings and the whys and wherefores. There's a certain amount of trust and faith that I think we all need to have in order to have peace in this life. You know, Jess, I'd love to share a technique that I love, and it really helps me when I'm feeling very stuck or I'm feeling overwhelmed, And because I, I find this one's real helpful. The first part is just to get clear the what you want. And it may not be even that you know the specifics, but you may know the qualities that you want. Like, I want a loving relationship or a partner where there's a lot of respect or a lot of fun or, you know, I want a home that's filled with joy or, you know, all the things you even just said that before. Your values, what are they? I like writing those down, you know, putting them up on Pinterest, creating a vision board, whatever works for you in terms of the getting clear about what that outcome is. It's kind of, again, 
if you think of intuition as your inner GPS, you're going to have to kind of say, here's where I want to go. And so that's what that first step is. And then the second part, I try to do this when I get up in the morning. I pray and meditate for about 10 minutes. And then I do this visualization exercise where I'm kind of talking to myself in my own mind as if what I want has already happened. Like, you know, for you and your your Austin house example, it's like, you know, oh, this, this has gone so smoothly. You know, I just found really loving our house. We found wonderful contractors to work on our house and really create this more of a dream house that we really wanted. We love our neighbors. You know, everybody's been so welcoming. I would just really focus as if it's already happened and just kind of feel the feelings of it. Because what I keep getting through my intuition is that when we can get clear what we want and we kind of have the felt sense of it, it's almost magnetizing to us what we want and manifesting it. And then the third part of the technique, again, I put my hands over my heart because I feel like it gets me out of my logical brain. I just kind of slow down and I just say, what three things can I do today to move in this new direction? And I pay attention to what comes naturally just as an inner voice, an aha moment, uh, oh, that would be a good idea, something I'm curious about, something that has energy. And those are the three things that are my priorities for the day. So I think of it as kind of like my intuitive life plan. I find that so helpful when I get into that place of, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed, I don't know what to do, and or I just feel enormously stuck and I don't know how to get myself out of it. And three things a day isn't magic. I mean, if you get one thing a day or one thing a week, that's fine. What are you most recently learning in your own life about intuition? It's really to keep going because sometimes even I just get that next step. And it's like, you know, and sometimes it's a little frustrating when I get something that's going to happen and it doesn't seem to be falling into place or happening fast enough for me. It's really about perseverance. Patience and perseverance are always the things that I'm trying to learn just to keep going, even though the evidence may say right now that nothing's really happening. I always feel, and I see this a lot in other people's intuitive readings, that often it's like, you know, not unlike you've planted a field maybe maybe you planted a, you know tulip bulbs in the fall you know you wouldn't expect that they would grow up right away you know and be above ground you're not going to pull them up in the middle of winter and say what's wrong with you why aren't you above ground yet so i just find you've got to have patience you've got to trust the natural timing of things in life and sometimes that's a little difficult for me what doubts or resistance are you currently kind of working through in your life right now you know, that always occurs for me. It's always about doing something new. I'm really starting to expand my speaking business because I'm really passionate about teaching people how to trust their intuition. And I'm just hitting that kind of roadblock of how do I do this? I mean, not the how do I speak, but how do I build this part of my business? How do I grow it? You know, how do how do I reach out to people? How do I create a database? How do I, you know, do that kind of more practical stuff? And I find that I just get very anxious that I'm doing it wrong. And I start comparing myself to everybody else who seems to be out there being real successful in that arena. So it's really more about that. But then I just kind of go back into myself and go, Lynn, you're getting the message. You keep going in that direction. You have a lot of passion for this topic. Keep putting one foot ahead of the other and it's going to work out. So that's what my intuition is telling me and that's what I'm choosing to pay attention to. That's beautiful. So what would you tell someone who is just starting out on this journey? To really just take some time, just moments of time every day to stop and tune in and say, what do I need to know? What's my right next step? What's my intuition telling me? And start building that intuitive muscle because it really is like a skill. The more you practice it, the better you get at it. And that inner voice when you hear it or whatever other way your intuition will communicate with you really wants to communicate with you and wants to guide your life. So it deserves to be paid attention to. Lynn, you're amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us. I really hope that this episode helps people that are listening to really reconnect with or deepen their connection to their intuition.
great. Thanks, Jess. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And Lynn, thank you so much for coming on The Lively Show. To get access to my writing exercise, which I've shared in this episode, you can do so over at JessLively.com slash Lynn Robinson. And in addition, Lynn has shared her free resource, Six Ways to Supercharge Your Intuition, also in the show notes of this episode at JessLively.com slash Lynn Robinson. Before I share who's coming on The Lively Show next week, let's talk with Annette Stepanian about her experience and advice using Squarespace.com. Annette, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Jess, thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. I am an attorney, and I also run my own jewelry line called Confetti by Annette. Sometimes our people are really surprised to hear that I do both, but it all kind of came to be a few years ago. I was practicing law at a big firm for a few years, and I just I wanted to find some more joy in what I was doing, and so I took a complete leap of faith, and I quit my job. I had no idea what I was going to do next, and I slowly got into this world of creative entrepreneurs and small businesses, and I launched my own jewelry line. And in that process, I met so many other business owners, as you do um, when you're in the thick of running your own business, and people kept coming to me asking for legal advice. So I saw a gap in the market, and I thought, hey, there are these people out there who need access to this information, but don't always have it or don't have it at an affordable price. So recently, I launched a legal services business working with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners to help them lay a legal foundation for their business. That's amazing. And what is the website URL? It's my name. It's AnnetteStepanian.com. And why did you choose Squarespace for this adorable law website? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Well, I had worked with different platforms in the past for blogs and for e-commerce, and I really wanted something that fit my aesthetic. And I love Squarespace's different themes that they have. It's just really clean, sleek, modern, and that just naturally and aesthetically I was just drawn to. And also, I didn't want to spend a lot of time building a website. Squarespace is just so easy to use that, I mean, within a few hours, I had my website up and running. One of the things that I love is how your site speaks to your ideal client. There are pieces of templates that anyone could have. How did you make sure yours was speaking to your ideal client? Yeah, I mean, you are. You're literally working off of a blank canvas. Uh, I think it was just being really clear on what my brand was. And I'm talking about law, which is especially to a creative community, you know, it's first of all, law is boring to begin with, (laughs) Um, you know, and then you're trying to teach it or to explain it to people who are just more creative and would much rather be working on their business than worrying about legal ramifications. So I knew I wanted it to be kind of bright and fun and happy. And I wanted it to be approachable. And so I just went about thinking, okay, well, who am I? What's my personality? And who am I trying to attract? And what would resonate with them? And then with that in mind, created the graphics, I created the photography and the layout. Once I had that in place, the actual implementing it was really simple. What's your favorite thing about Squarespace? It has to just be the ease of use. I mean, honestly, it's so easy. It's so funny because the other day someone um, in a Facebook group commented like, can you design my website for me? Any chance you offer those services? And I just thought that was hilarious and is a real testament to you know, what you can accomplish using Squarespace. I mean, this person actually thought I was a web designer. And I just told them, I was like, you know, 
before you go out and you spend all this money on getting a website developed, why don't you just give it a shot yourself? Um, see if you can, you know, just play around with it. And I think what's so great is that you can control your website. So as things change, as your business changes, you can tweak your website within a few minutes. So for anyone who's looking to try this out and get started like you've just shared, you can go over to squarespace.com slash lively to get a free 14-day trial. And if you're ready to go forward after you've given it a shot for two weeks, you can get 10% off your service by using the code lively at checkout. It's a great savings for you. It's a great deal overall. And it's a great way to support The Lively Show. Annette, where can people go find you online? They can find me at AnnetteStepanian.com, and that's A-N-N-E-T-T-E-S-T-E-P-A-N-I-A-N.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Jess. Thanks for having me. And now for a sneak peek. Next week for Mindfulness Month, we are speaking with Bia Johnson of ZeroWasteHome.com. She and her family of four have been living waste-free since 2008, and their yearly consumption of trash, get this, guys, fits in a mason jar. My associate producer, Ashley, brought this to my attention. I was immediately intrigued. I wanted to know more about how she's made these steps with her family to live trash-free, if you will, or waste-free. I also wanted to know, what are the steps that we can do, no matter where we are or no matter how deeply we want to go into this? How can we start to incorporate some level of this in our lives, big or small? She goes into that and more, and I can't wait to share the story with you. Until then... May something wonderful happen to you today. 